Support Narrative's independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative and check out our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to subscribe and download. Welcome to the show. We have a really important show tonight because we're going to take a look at what's been going on in Kenosha and in Portland and the intensity around uh, all the, uh, the, the the tension, really, that's being built up between uh, various groups, including Black Lives Matter, including Blue Lives Matter, and uh, the Proud Boys and others. Um, I'd like to welcome Eric Garland, who's here, as always, on the show. Hi, Eric. How are you? And, uh And from Portland itself, someone you may know from Twitter uh, as Bad Company, which is what the baddest... Uh, a handle you could find in the world. Hello, bad company, Carl Sizlove. How are you doing? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm really well. I, I was surprised to know that, or find out that you are a resident of Portland, but also a resident of downtown Portland. I li- I've been living downtown since 2000. And so you've been have a front row seat to basically what's been going on there in uh, in enormous detail. Yes, I do. Pretty much ever since, I'd say, 2003, when the first May Day protests were, the, the very first violent riots here in Portland, I've been monitoring and watching ever since. I usually watch from a distance, but I don't get involved. I don't march with them or pick sides or anything. I just observe. And I've been doing that since basically 2003. So it's been 95 days of protests there or so. Well, it's more than that. So 95, uh, 96. Yeah, about that. It's a lot of days for a city like that to be uh, undergoing so much torment. I mean, it's a small city, really, and we're talking about a city that's generally quite peaceful. I mean, there's not a lot that goes on in Portland that that needs to, to result in this kind of violence. And you've had 95 days of, or more of just accelerated tension and, and uh, conflict. So uh, from your perspective, where does that where is that coming from? We can all put it back to Trump, but it all started in 2016 when... The uh, Patriot Prayer started coming to Portland and started holding their, their rallies. And these rallies kind of got a little worse and a little worse. And at the, I believe that the Proud Boys kind of infiltrated Patriot Prayer. So they wound up becoming friends. And there was a cause behind Proud Boys. As we all know, the Proud Boys came from Roger Stone. Roger Stone had come to Salem with the Proud Boys when this all first started. So he was kind of sitting in a bar in Salem bragging about all of this. This was, I believe, in 2017. And Kyle Chapman, all, all, the, all the players were here in Portland. And this is also where you've, you've probably heard the name Jeremy Christian, who was also a member of Patriot Prayer. He was also here. I was downtown myself and had met Joey Gibson on these infamous days. And <laughs> here we are. We should mention he's the founder of, uh, of Patriot Prayer. Right? Patriot Prayer is his baby, yes. Which is a hate group, according to or according to this uh, cent- uh, Southern Poverty Law Center. Oh, it seems kind of funny that he calls himself Patriot Prayer and a Christian, and he he likes to throw around Bible quotes. But as I always tell people, wherever Joey Gibson goes, violence follows. And the Proud Boys, uh, which are associated with uh, with Stone for sure, are also considered a, a, a hate group of some sort, and they've connected all these militias militias around the country. Uh, into sort of a network of militias, if that's an accurate way of describing them. Um, you would say the Proud Boys, the Boogaloos, the Three Percenters, some of Oath Keepers, but yeah, pretty much the majority of those groups, they are all combined now. 
which is interesting because they all sort of have a central mm. sort of mission and command and control, if you want. Um, and all of this has been building and building in Portland because of the, the federal courthouse, which is not what caused the, the death last week, but it is uh, no. built up the tension. So what was the courthouse issue all about? Well, it's kind of a funny thing because this all started back when George Floyd was murdered. We all, the boys of May 25th, May 26th is when the protest really began. So we had peaceful protest here in June, in the beginning of June, and it was beautiful. And th this town is known for its protest, mostly peaceful. We, we have a reputation for that. It's always been very peaceful here, but we always have the agitators too, of course. They always show up to every event. That happens across the country, across the board. Yep, you've had two sides then fighting against each other for 90 days, the police caught in the middle. Uh, and then this weekend, this past weekend, things really changed. Because after Kenosha, it, uh, the, when there was a 17-year-old that walked into the crowd, killed two people there, or at least shot one person and killed another person. That 17-year-old, Kyle Rittenhouse, I think is his name, Rittenhouse. out of town, um, came in and, and, and committed that crime in sort of brazen fashion. And there was immediate concern because Portland was coming next with a big march on Saturday. Mm -hmm. And so tell us a little bit more about what that march was intended to be. Well, most of the, most of the protests here that we've had, I mean, like I was saying, started back in, in June. So we've, we've had these going on for a long time. The, the peaceful protesters did a pretty good job of extricating themselves from the situation and it just kind of slowly got worse and worse it was the portland police building first which is actually our jail was where the buildings that were attacked first it had nothing to do with the federal bu building in the beginning that didn't happen until actually the feds wind up showing up they didn't show up here until july 4. Oh. so oh. between june 1st and july 4th it's all on the portland police and med and the mayor it's, it's his baby, no matter what he tries to say. And on July, on June 3rd was the first day Portland police actually fired tear gas on protesters. That's way before the feds got here. Interesting. The feds didn't get here, like I said, until July 4th because the protests were getting so big downtown that it kind of moved from the building, the police department, which is right next door to the fed building, to the Fed building, but the Portland Police Department and the mayor did not protect that building. They only protected their own. They left the building wide open, and the protesters, the violent protesters that came in, took advantage of that and started breaking in and setting it on, trying to set it on fire also. July 4th is an interesting date. That's the date that uh, uh, Donald Trump began to change his tune on what he thought the election was going to be about. He started talking about um, the the new far-left fascism. He talked about the evil representations of, uh, of that, of that far-left uh, fascism. And he talks about them wanting the end of America. Uh, he made this in a couple of speeches. In one of them, I'll quote him here, he said, American heroes defect, defeated the Nazis, yeah, right. de uh, dethroned the fascists, toppled the communists, saved American values, upheld American principles, and could, and, uh, close, what's that, close down? Something. Chase down the terrorists to the very ends of the earth. There you go. <laughs> so now we're in the process of defeating the radical left. Um, who knew? Uh, yeah. they were quite like the Marxists or the anarchists and the agitators, the looters, and people who, in many instances, have absolutely no clue of what they're doing. Uh, this is Donald Trump's mm. choice of words. But they you can have see no that he's clue setting what they're up. doing. How are they taking over America? Were they, is this a slapstick <laughs> comedy where they accidentally take over America? They I just don't get bungled their way into it. 
<laughs> Antifa really is too discombobulated to take over their own neighborhood, let alone America. Right. It's true that they're a bit of a. It's not an organization. It's not. It, it just isn't, and I don't care what they say. And I know this for a fact in Portland. Even the even the Antifa that's here is called Black Block. That's not the real Antifa. That's the alt right's created version of Antifa. Antifa doesn't even come downtown anymore because the leader, the see the leader of the original Rose City Antifa, which is actually not a leader. It's just it's a very loose knit group. But Joey Gibson decided to go over there and attack them at their bar, which is called the Cider Riot. Joey Gibson and his clan, the Patriot Boys, went to this bar and specifically went to confront Antifa. And in the meantime, <laughs> we got Antifa over here on the other side coordinating in a different way. Now, the black block that we have here, these guys are financed. The original Rose City Antifa is not financed. Right. I heard that they had a lot of sort of... I've met, the I've met the leaders. If, if you remember the video that I showed you of Antifa with the one from Project Veritas, that video, I, I've met the leaders of Black Block. I stood right in the middle of those guys. I was surrounded by them. It's kind of funny. My son was with me that day when Jeff Sessions was here at the Immigrations Building. I decided to go over there and see what they were going to do. And I wound up with myself right smack dab in the middle of Antifa. And I'm sitting there filming Jeff Sessions and all these Antifa people are circling me with their cell phones filming my butt. My son's all panicking, thinking I'm going to get my ass kicked and blah, blah, blah. And, I'm <laughs> and I finally, it's kind of funny because they were trying to figure out why I was there. As you see, I was dressed just like I am in this picture. One, why is this military vet doing here? What's he doing? And I finally yelled over at Jeff Sessions as he got out of the car and said, hey, you racist piece of shit. And they walked me over to this older couple, which is talked about in that video, the older white couple. And I got to talk to them for a while. And got to listen to them and kind of figured out what the heck was going on here. And Antifa, these guys, Black Block, actually unmasked themselves in front of me. They all took off their mask. Oh, wow. Did you know parents? Yeah, I was pretty. People? No, they were all young white kids. From the there was no Mexicans. There was no blacks. From the neighborhoods, yeah. They're all, I would say, in anywhere between the ages of 15, I mean, 17 to 25. They're all pretty young kids. It's surprising to think of a left-wing organization not having any pool in it. Now, the original Antifa, the one we always, everybody talks about, yes. They are blacks, Mexicans, whatever, every race. But this black block is a little bit different. What, 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 what do you think is the cause of that difference? Is it a, they didn't mention hmm. that video and I'm, it's Project Veritas and I, and I discount everything they say all the time, but I will Correct. say that they say I do that, too. That, that there's a European uh, owner, I guess, or, or manager of the place. That part, um, that, these people that I talked to are in, about my age, hmm. both white. They didn't have accents, so I didn't feel that they were from anywhere else. They weren't super talkative, hmm. but they were talkative enough that I could get a sense of what the heck was going on. I knew that they were the guys who led this group of this, this black block. It was obvious. They were like the generals. <laughs> and it looks so organized inside. They, <clears throat> they are organized. That's why I say, that's why I say they're financed because you can tell by their uniforms, their shields, everything is all uniform. You're a veteran, you'd say, right? Um, Correct. Would you say you, you have a good sense 
of when you see somebody in a high tension situation, can you tell when somebody may possibly be a military member or a veteran and has been trained? Most of the time, yes. Yes. As opposed to being kids who are, you know, mixing themselves up in a in a high tension situation, you can just eyeball that, right? Yes. Yes. Do you ever see amongst it, the would you differentiate between the black block and the regular Antifa? Would you say you see more people that are kind of calm in those situations in the black block group than the than the others or Yes. I, I, I absolutely Antifa is more about protesting their their cause, whatever it may be. They don't they don't necessarily come and cause violence. These guys they do. They are here specifically to confront the police. Period. And I want to go and focus specifically about the the night um, that Jay Bishop died. Now you know, do you know Jay Bishop? Do you know who he is? Do you no, know? I do not. Lots of pictures, lots of videos, and all that stuff. As I've told you before, I have people who actually track the Proud Boys and Patriot Bear. So he's been he's been known of for quite a while. He's he's a known entity in Portland. He's been he's been arrested here before with firearms on him. He wasn't even allowed to be in Portland. He's from Astoria, Oregon. So the whole story of him being a local and he's trying to stick up for his city, blah, blah, blah. It's a bunch of BS. He's not even from the town. Same with Joe. surprised to hear that. No, same with Joey Gibson. None of these guys are from here. Joey right. Gibson is from Vancouver, Washington. He's so banned he from Portland, to be honest. What's he doing there, then? Trying to call shit for Ted Wheeler. The, and Ted Wheeler is His whole goal is to go after Ted Wheeler. Is Ted Wheeler the mayor? Ted Wheeler's the mayor. Okay. And he's stuck in a pretty bad spot, <laughs> to say the least. Because he's uh... so that that would make him a you know an intentional, like violent agitator, not somebody exercising their First Amendment rights per se. Well, he's. I'll tell you something about Joey. He doesn't cause the violence. He he is aggressive and he gets in people's face and tries to incite them. But it's his guys around him that do the violence. Tiny, tiny Teos, for one, he just got arrested um, a week ago. He's now going to prison. We finally got him. Right, Chandler and Jay are both also friends of, of Joey Gibson's. These are the guys who do the thuggery. Joey doesn't do the thuggery. He's, he's smart. He's not a dumb guy. He's smart. Now you're talking about so Joey he knows Gibson, to stay out of the fray. Joey Gibson, the, the founder, right, of, of the major. Correct. And what is Correct. Jay Bishop then? Jay Bishop is whom in, in the story? He was, he's a member of Patriot Prayer also. He's a friend of Joey Gibson's. He's out of Astoria, Oregon. These guys meet. Every time that Joey Gibson has a protest, pretty much, these, these are the guys that wind up going with him. Wherever he does it in Salem, Vancouver, Camas, or Portland, Oregon, that's where they go. Wherever Joey goes, they go. Now, Jay Bishop is not a real name. Um, it is in No, I can't. Aaron Danielson. Danielson, yeah. yeah. And uh, he landed up dying on that Saturday night. It was right, it was Saturday night. That, that moment he got about two seconds after he got shot in the chest, yeah. Yeah. And so that's a that's a big turn of events for Portland. We've not seen death in, in the recent protests and, and certainly not caused in this fashion. And it's all caught on tape, which is another interesting feature of these latest uprisings. Whether it's Kenosha or yeah, Minneapolis, wherever. Did you actually get a chance to see the right? Did you actually get to see the videographer, the journalist who actually took the video on CNN? I didn't see that piece, but I, I looked into him and I did read a lot of his descriptions, 
and uh, it's, a good it's worth checking it out because he, he he does the timeline very very well. You can understand if you listen to him in the timeline that he photographs, you can hear exactly what happened. Okay, I'll post that after the show. But in the meantime, I'm going to spend the next two minutes playing you a tape of what happened that day. You'll see at the top of the story. Um, you'll see uh, uh, Jay Bishop. Uh, and his friend, uh, who's with him but survived that particular visit. Uh, Chandler Pappas. Yeah. They had previously been protesting in other parts of the, of the area and then decided to go downtown. And once downtown, they found somebody that they believed, or it sounds like they believe, because they say this out loud, that he, there is one of them. And I think they're referring to someone who is part of Antifa. There's a mace uh, sh uh, release, we think, that came from these guys, from, from either Jay or his friend that targeted mm -hmm. this guy, the shooter. And then the shooter in response, it feels like in response, pulls out a gun and then shoots uh, two, two, two shots, right? Maybe three. Correct. Two shots, but, uh, one of I them, think he was trying to shoot at both of them, but he missed Chandler. And then Jay, so Jay Bishop collapses a few meters away and dies. And, and uh, dies. And what we're gonna see is, is the video that was caught on tape of this event. It's interesting that it's the cameraman who's there at that time, I, I, you know, Maybe it's possible. Uh, then I'm gonna. It was pretty. It was pretty interesting, and Andy No got this pretty darn fast too to Joe Posobiec. Yeah, it all gets uploaded very quickly and distributed. Through very quickly. So I warned Joe. I warned the Jack, uh, Jack Posobiec. Jack, yeah, I like to call him Joe Blow. <laughs> okay, so so we're saying this is or Posobiec. So this is a video that was shot from a pretty convenient angle and was uploaded, chop chop, by Mr. Posobiec. It was um, it was put up by I can't remember the journalist's name. He he's a known journalist. It was he had nothing to do with these guys. I am sure that somebody in their group always follows this guy, like Sergio Ramos or the few other photogs that come down here and film. So it's easy to go on Twitter and follow them and then ship their this, stuff out once they post. That I know that went into Jack Brusovic. So he was involved in another tape. This is a tape well. Somehow Andy got a hold of the tape and somehow it wound up with. Jack and Jack put it up on Twitter with his um, false narrative. I think the Oregonian and it happened pretty quick. The Oregonian. I'm not sure did if a good thorough job going back into the backstory of all of this and investigated the, the camera person, just a live streamer, you know, out of work was having to do just looking for something. Yeah, yeah. They didn't find anything suspicious in his background. Um, and then there is this video clip afterwards of of uh, of Jay Bishop's friend who also describes the events of the night. He's talking to a conservative media outlet, a Christian conservative. Correct, media I watched that. And you cannot really believe what he's describing, but it's worth it for us to hear what's coming out of this man's mouth because it gives you a sense of the world that they are either constructing or living in. Um, so all of this to say is I'm warning you that this is a version of reality that may be part of a narrative build. It may be part of something that someone is constructing. But I want to try to take all that apart today and see if we can figure out exactly how um, this event took place and how it looks so similar to other events and how it looks so similar to other events around the world. Uh, so it's a, it's a tall order for tonight's show, but I think we'll get to some of that. Uh, here's the tape. This is real video. This is no one's discounting that this has actually happened. Um, but it, be aware that it may be coming from a certain perspective or distributed from that perspective. I really, 
So this is the alleged shooter, who's also a victim, of course. He's crossing the intersection in the white shirt. And meeting him up the street are these two Patriot Prayer members that we've just spoken about. One of them dies. He stumbles away and collapses. Here's a close-up version of this. They hunted him down, they hunted us down, they recognized our Patriot Prayer hats. For anybody who doesn't know Patriot Prayer, Joey Gibson, the citizens advocate a man. We support him, he's a Christian and conservative. Um, so they identified our hats. We've got a couple of them right here, we've got a couple of them right here. Pull it out, pull it out. And uh, that's, what they said. that's what they said. We turned around. I didn't even didn't even register that somebody was pointing a gun at us until the shots went off and took off running. The shooter took off running. The shooter took off running, and uh, you, you know you did. It takes a second for you to process everything that happened. You know, he's did he just shoot at me? Okay, I'm okay. Turn over. Jay's dead. So that's the that's the sequence of events. It's uh, it's disturbing the video, obviously. Um, let me, let me get your questions and takeaways do, first, if you guys want to just do we have the uh, do we have the identity of the uh, the shooter? Don't not not as of this. yet. They are aware of who he is, but they're not releasing any information. Oh, okay. And as of now, until the complete investigation is com completely done, because there's there's a lot a lot of you know moving parts here, especially with the groups, the alt right, the alt left. I mean, there's a lot to play with here. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I called the, the, the police department today and asked them about what we were planning to release the names, and they, they didn't get back to me yet. I'm sure I'm not the only person calling, but, you know, there's a, obviously a big demand. It is interesting that in both cases... I well, I actually believe the FBI is involved now. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, look, it's I obviously white shooters, on, white attackers on both sides, which has been different from the cases we've seen in the past. This has been a particularly race story in the last few months, but this story is a little bit different because it's about left versus right. And I know that's, uh, that's been Portland's story. It's been different than, than the Black Lives Matter story, but it's important to think about these guys as being um, all sort of white groups that are fighting against each other um, in, that, mm -hmm. in that space. Um, and it is interesting that they view themselves as having some sort of natural rights, I think they called it, as sort of, as, as there being a sort of a, a law that they need to follow that is above sort of the constitution of America, maybe that is more about the, uh, the Christian law, that that's sort of their, their grounding that which they base uh, their thinking. Is that correct? The judge not lest you be judged, uh, the let he who is without sin cast the first stone, that law? That or law, probably that law. That law. Yeah, might be familiar with some of that. So it's, it's, you know, Those are nice. I like them. They're good laws, um, but they're not the laws of the United States. It's kind of funny. These guys decide to have their battleground in the most liberal, left-leaning city in America. Huh. We're, we're, more, we're more liberal than San Francisco used to be. This, this town is so liberal, it's not even funny. So it's, it's everything that they hate. Honestly, it's everything they hate. This is what yeah, Portland that's represents. That's not a coincidence. Yeah. So this has been a democratic I, I, state for since 1987. But there's a there, uh, the Republicans are the majority in this state. Unfortunately, they're not in Portland. They're all out in Eastern Oregon. 
but they are the majority of the voters here. But a Democrat always wins. Go figure. There's three million people in the state of Oregon. Two million of them live in the Portland metro area. Hmm. And so he said they were going to war with the liberals, and that's probably why they chose it. But it does, it does seem chosen, right? This doesn't seem like a real reason for it to be there. I believe in my this, and again, I'm no, I'm no expert. Of course, I'm not a cop. I'm none of those things. But I believe it goes back to Ted Wheeler standing up to Trump when ICE was being attacked here. Hmm. ICE, ICE got got assaulted by the same group of people, and the the city would not go help them. As a matter of fact, it was me who wound up asking Ted on his Twitter feed to send the police. And I told them why I said, you need to send the police to help ice, because if you do not do this, you will not. And I repeat, not get federal help in the future. You're going to need their help. Pro I promise you this. He called, he sent his police the very next day and shut it down. Looking at that video, I'd be interested to see somebody in a, you know, urban combat uh, experience or, you know, FBI crime scene analysis. Look at that video. Um, cause it seemed like the time between there, the mace or tear gas or whatever pepper spray is deployed and the time to, uh, discharge of a firearm is under two seconds. Yeah, I mean, super quick. Have... it was, it was two seconds. That's how much I've also, I've watched it about a thousand times and two seconds is, is the marker. And, and if you really, really watch the sequence, you can see white, blue, boom, boom, white, yeah. blue, Boom, boom. So their, their narrative of who fired first is completely wrong or who assaulted who is completely wrong. Well, and now, to if you have a gun that is holstered, um, the, you know, and it is secured in some way, whether you're talking about a kidney pouch, you're talking about hip, what, whatever you've got, the number of people that can, that can take that out, you know, out of its holster, take the safety off, which you should have on when it's on you and you're not, you know, you're not deploying it and you should only raise that muzzle when you intend to murder another human being. Right. Um, you get, otherwise you keep your finger out of the trigger. Well, all the good gun hygiene and whatnot. And you know, the, the number of people who could, you know, open up, the, there is no doubt that this man had skills. Or was he even That's, ready? That, the, the, you know, the amount of, to, to do that in under two seconds, the number of people who are not in the special forces yeah, in that's, some form of. Training that's, comes, well, that reaction comes from training. Yeah. He is, a, a, according to what I'm hearing in, through the grapevine, the guy that is the shooter is a veteran. So, I mean, that's really unusual. It does seem like he reacted so quickly. That he, you know, is it, is it, is it, I'm not going to say that this is what the case is, but it, is it in the realm of possibility that something like this could have been planned by both sides or? Uh... This day and age, I don't put anything out of the possibility. Mm. Absolutely none, especially here. Mm. Nothing in Portland is reality. That's, that's sad truth. And, and certainly when we look at the sort of the, the inspiration for some of the stuff, which seems to come from the Russian playbook, you know, the Russians are very good at the sort of cross enemy lines, uh, active measures. Um, mm -hmm. It wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility in their world to be playing both sides. You go back to 1880 yeah. with the the Ochrana, uh, the secret police of the Tsar, infiltrating labor movements, so that when peaceful labor protesters were going to, you know, hey, I'd like to not have my fingers lopped off yeah. at, at work, and I'd like to sleep more than an hour, um, you know, they when they would go protest there, they would have their secret police infiltrate figure out who's who, figure out the leaders, and then give the Cossacks or whoever a chance to, you know, the opportunity to beat the crap out of the guys and send them home. 
they've so the Russians have been doing that, and unless people think that oh that was a long time ago, well hold on, the Cheka under Lenin took over from the Okhrana, and it was basically it wasn't the same guys. I think they had a purge, but they they took that tradecraft and ran with it. So they got a hundred and forty years of practice with this. So it's not necessarily. And now they have technology to do it even better. And, and yeah, and they can they can send that out globally to paint a picture of America. They can they can and and this is the thing with the social media that is so incredibly poisonous, and that we've got to get regulation on as fast as possible. Having private companies that have the algorithms to send that video to people that are sensitive to that and might want to vote based on that, or will be agitated by that psychologically, that they are measuring that and sending out videos like that with a purpose, uh, you combine that with some foreign powers and man, you've got some problems well, and we have some problems because it's yeah. happening. And the, you know, the, the and, and there's a big reasons why Portland is such a target too. It's not just, it's not just about Joey Gibson and his little gang of thugs. There, there's a bigger story here. And I think I mentioned to you guys earlier, Sondland. Sondland is from here. Sondland, Sondland and Ted Wheeler go back, go, go way back since oh, early 2000s. Oh, oh, oh. You mean Gordon Sondland, our, our ambassador, ambassador I mean, to the United uh, I mean, ambassador to the United States, yes. The European that Union, guy. who considers Ukraine part of the European Union, which it's not, but he's the Mr. one having Mr. Quid Pro Quo. Yeah, that guy. Mr. Yes. Mr. Talking that to the guy. president on an unsecured cell phone at a cafe in front of people. That guy? That guy. Tell us more about that. That I'm, guy. I'm, I'm all ears. Yeah, um, Mr. Sondland was he, he kind of worked for Ted Kulongoski for a while. He's the one who got Ted Wheeler as the Treasury of the State back in 2010, and they've been connected ever since. That's interesting. He worked in the hotel business as well. Borden has a very – he worked in the hotel business. He owns nine here, including the governor, the Heathman, which is our, like our top notch. I mean, it's five-star, one of the big hotels here. He's, he's got his foot all over. He is the fourth largest real estate investment firm in all of Portland and Oregon. He kind of plays in the background in politics. He, he does a lot of philanthropy. He does a lot of, of good stuff, no doubt. But this connection between, well, we know the connection between Trump. That's been on for years. They've known each other for a long time. So it's nothing new that there's a connection to Portland. Now, I could tell you this about Portland. I was in San Jose in the 80s when the dot-com boom hit. I went through 20 years of that. It was crazy. I, I used to work with a lot of the companies down there. I, I got to see all the stuff that was happening, which is pretty crazy. And, and San Jose blew up. Well, that's now happening in Portland. And we have some big-ass companies here like Nike, Intel, Google, Amazon, uh, and they're building big plants here. They're spending big bucks, especially out in Prineville, Oregon. I mean, the, the big money is coming to this town. Major League Baseball is coming. This town is booming right now. You look out my window right now, there's like nine cranes in the sky. Interesting. That's, that's they want a piece of that. Mm -hmm. They want a piece of all of this. They, they sure do, or probably do. Um, let's, let's Anyways, that's what I see. We've got... Um, We've got Sondland. Now, we spoke about Roger Stone. Here's that photo you were talking about from 2016 when he introduces the Roger, um, when he brings uh, the Proud Boys over to a place in Salem, Oregon, which I guess is That's the Proud Boys with him. Yeah, and that's a, a tweet from Alex Correct. Jones. Correct. That's, that's where Kate Brown is. That's the capital. Okay. And, and Alex Jones is involved somehow uh, because why not? And you've got the makings of a, you know, an interesting group of people who are 
very tied into the Trump universe as they head into an election in 2016. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. That, you didn't have the Proud Boys there, right? Well, the Proud Boys were created in 2016. Um, so the well, it's, the, thing of the, the thing with the Northwest, remember back when the when all the big, all, the, um, the white supremacist groups, they were all out in Hayden Lake, Hayden, in Idaho, out in that area. Mm-hmm. They, got, they got booted out of Idaho and they wound up moving out. Well, they wound up moving to Washington and Oregon. Clackamas is where Identity Europa's big base is. Mm-hmm. Adam Waffen is right across the border in Washington. Oh, those Portland guys are indicted for two. domestic terrorism? Were they? Those guys who were indicted for domestic terrorism? Yes, that Adam Waffen now has about been busted Ooh. up for the most part. That Adam Waffen. Oh, That's good. So, and Port- they come to Portland quite often, but they don't come and beat people up, which is they. It's kind. Of, they don't do it unless there's protests. Then they come and do their thuggery. I was just going to bring up Gavin McInnes. I got a bit of a story here. So, founded by the, the founded by Canadian Gavin McInnes. I ran into Gavin on uh, on on uh, Huffington Post Live in 2013. I'd written a, a piece about masculinity after we had all these. These young men who are shooting places up. I wrote a thing about why you get, uh, you know, the transition from boyhood to manhood. Uh, we're, we're getting people lost in the cracks. This is an essay I wrote seven years ago. And uh, I got invited on to talk about masculinity, something, something. And they had Gavin McInnes on who bellowed. Uh, they had some women on the panel. And it was, you know, women don't want to work outside of the home. And they're miserable. And they just want to be barefoot and pregnant. And he was just, I mean, it was like, Lucha Libre uh, wrestling or whatnot, and I, you know, tried to get a word otherwise, and the, <laughs> right. the producers let him do it, and I was like, who the, who was that asshole? And so I looked him up, and, you know, th- this guy is, you know, his mother's a professor of business up in Ottawa. He's from Ottawa. I'm like, so I'm going to go straight. So, you're, okay, your mom is a business professor, and you're down here screaming about how women shouldn't work outside the home, and they're letting you run around and do all this. And he helped start Vice and whatnot. Then we have the election, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he's a Canadian Nazi. And, and, and the media is all following him around. Oh, aren't these <laughs> Nazis so interesting? But, you know, this is just some dude from Ottawa who's uh, hanging out apparently with Roger Stone. And, I mean, just looks like Russian information ops that everybody's been given all this ox- oxygen to. And they tied dur- – if they're they, – you know, I've seen this in other places. But, you know, tying to the atom waffen, God, that would just make them domestic terrorists. Yeah. That's, uh, that's like al-Qaeda on our soil. Because, you know, they would have made oh, a lot of money. Oh, my God, us. yes. Adam waffen is bad. Uh, Vice would have made the McGinnis very well. It's kind of thing with Adam Waffen, though. You know what made them fall apart? Good. They were, they, they, they were all busted up because of the leader of. He was he was he was pretending that he was making deals with the with a Mexican drug cartel, and he was trying to protect them, and these guys were going to protect them, and he was making all this money, and he needed financing, and all these guys help pitch in money, and blah 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 blah. He wound up rip, ripping off all the guys. Instead of this Mexican drug out, it's never it never existed. It was a, it was fabricated, and he won. We were going to be getting we by one of his own members. His ass in, and down they went. Right, oh, it was. Man. It was the funniest thing I ever seen, man. Watching that on TV was like, oh my god, what an! He was stealing from his own crew. So He's down with Adam Waffen. Bye. It happens. It happens every once in a while. Um, I want to put a, point out two more things about this uh, slide. What are these? I mean, they both have these these uh, uh, clothing 
brand you know, clothing uh, items that are their insignia, right? The the uh, the Proud Boys have this thing that looks like I, I I don't know what the brand is, but I guess there was one company that got in trouble. They're these polo shirts that are black with the yellow stripes, easy to if identify. You, uh, if you and, look at the emblem, it's kind of like the Leafs around a, a half dollar on a coin. You know, Leafs on the outside. That's kind of the emblem. And the Patriot uh, Prayer guys have this cap with sort of a, a dystopian-looking dark flag, I guess, American flag. That's they're their, boy bands. Boy bands. They're, they're boy yeah. bands that women women yeah. won't go on dates with them, and so they get their own merch. I mean, this is like it's, guys. It's just don't... a drinking club. Well, with uh, with weapons now that seems to go with around. FBI, with FBI <laughs> files, yeah. is your head. I mean, knuckleheads. The guys that we saw in Portland with trucks, I'm going to say the majority of them weren't violent. The majority of them weren't here to cause problems. But the Proud Boys were within them. Mm -hmm. Their truck, all the license plates either blacked out, not there, or they stole license plates from somewhere else and had them on their vehicles. They wore their shirts, and they also had boogaloos with them. And these two guys in their white truck was with this group. It's a group of about four trucks all the Proud Boys that were causing the majority of the chaos here. Mm-hmm. Now, here's something that most people don't don't realize, is these guys came with bears and paint guns, okay? Now, Joey Gibson did ask them to carry their concealed weapons, so I'm, I imagine many of them did, but none of them were ever brandished or used. They used their paint guns and physical violence. These guys, as they drove through town, they were harassing people. They were throwing stuff. As a matter of fact, the shooter's in a video with the truck, and he's standing there watch as these guys are throwing projectiles all over the place, like cars and people around them. And they're shooting their paint guns. And the guy, the shoot, the dude, he's just standing there watching them. He didn't even get involved. He just, all he did was watch. He didn't talk. He didn't say nothing. He didn't yell at him. He just talked. I mean, just watched. And, and these guys were threatening him. They were threatening passerbys. But they're the ones who came with the bear mace, the paint guns, okay? Mm-hmm. Just trying to get they're the ones that came with those. The shooter did not have neither. He had a handgun. Okay? So when the guys, Chandler and Jay, they came through town, and the guy who did the video for CNN even says that that was one of the trucks shooting paintball at B Passers Bys as they're driving down the street. Well, they saw these guys. They pulled their truck over and parked it near the parking garage. You don't see the truck because they, they parked it around the corner. They walked from the truck to the south, down third, and that guy, the shooter, was walking across the street in front of them. He was not walking towards them. He wasn't walking at them. He was walking away across the street from them. They came down the street and approached him. Now, whatever happened in that instance, <clears throat> when, the, when the shots were fired, one thing is definitely clear. The mace was fired first, the blue paintball was fired second, and the handgun was fired twice, third. Get where I'm going with this? Yep. Yep. Which is now, you can see it's in the video, it's pretty grainy and everything, but one of the things that, that's, that's talking about all these people yelling and whatever in my opinion, I believe it was Jay himself that yet that yelled, "Hey, hey! Here goes one over here!" And they start moving, were moving towards the dude. And when they got, they were yelling and screaming at him. And that's when he spun around and faced him. And then that's when the mace was fired off and the paint gun at the same time. 
I would say, in my opinion, Jay had the mace, Chandler had the paint gun, the, the, the shooter had the real gun. Now, whatever transpired before that, whatever arguments they were in, whatever altercations there were, apparently they didn't shoot at each other at any point in that time, but they maybe have argued. They may have crossed paths. But in my opinion, the guy walking across the street, the shooter, walking away from them, not towards them. So Chandler's whole idea that this guy came at him, they assassinated him, is bogus. Support Narrative's independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative and check out our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to subscribe and download.